This is the Tactical Leader Podcast, where we're on a journey of self-mastery and true leadership. I believe that in order to lead others, you must first be able to lead yourself. And in order to lead yourself, you have to first know yourself. If you want to learn the tactics to get to know yourself, to lead yourself, and to lead others, stay tuned to hear from industry experts as I unpack the tactics that they've used to build their business, build culture, and lead others. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Danielle Mulvey, and we're going to talk about the all-in company and how she helps really break apart what five-star employees and qualities really look like. Before we begin, I want to remind you this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you're looking to get on more podcasts, stages, and really get your story crafted, head over to nightly.productions to find out how we can help you discover, embrace, and then share your voice through tactical content production. Again, that's nightly.productions. Danielle, welcome to the show. Hi, Zach. Thanks for having me. Oh, I am super excited about this one. We've had it on the calendar for a good little while, and it's a conversation that I think is one that is needed, and we haven't really talked about it much on this show, and it's full of tactics. So I think it's going to be a great one. To give the audience just a little bit about you before we dive into that, you are a former flight attendant turned entrepreneur, bless your heart, the flight attendant piece, (laughs) and you've cracked the code on recruiting, hiring, and retaining what you refer to as five-star employees with the beautiful integration in the logo. I absolutely love that. You're never one to settle for average. You have scaled your company's over 50 million in annual revenue while spending less than 10 hours each week overseeing operations. Your own team of trusted five-star employees provide you with the freedom to spend the rest of your work week guiding other entrepreneurs through podcasting, workshops, and community curating, which is another huge piece of everything that's happening right now. In addition to running your companies and assisting entrepreneurs, You are the chief curator of the all-in company community, which strategically advises entrepreneurs on attracting and hiring five-star employees. You know that in order to succeed, leaders need to get comfortable with the uncomfortable and go all-in on their employees who will reciprocate and go all-in on the company. Some of the best tactics you can really ask for right there, and I can't wait to unpack it. Before we dive in all-in, before we dive all-in, I'm going to steal that. That's good. Before we dive all-in, tell us, what's a fun fact that we might not know about you? Oh, this is going to kill you, Zach. The fun fact about me is I am a Commodore from Vanderbilt University alumni. So kind of the funny thing about that is I was a California girl who went to college at Vanderbilt during a time many moons ago when no one was going from California. So when I told my friends I was going to Vanderbilt from high school, they're like, you're going to learn how to make jeans? They thought I was going to the Gloria Vanderbilt School of Jean Design, I guess. So... Anyways, that I mean, is like the same, fact. same, right? That's like kind of the same type of learning and education you got, right? Sure, sure. Totally. totally. No, I'm teasing. And I'm curious because obviously it's one of those, you've had a very different journey, I would say, where at Vandy, you were on communications poli sci, mm-hmm. you focused in that arena, became a flight attendant. <laughs> Which is, uh, it's one of those careers that is a lot of fun, I imagine. You get to travel. I love traveling. Obviously, in the last couple of years, that's changed up a little bit. What got you started in that direction where you wanted to, I mean, obviously, customer experience is everything in the airline. Yeah. So this might be TMI. It was the fact that my college boyfriend was going to be a fifth year senior. So it was, I went and became a flight attendant as sort of like my gap year to kind of wait out his graduation and kind of just kind of see how things would play out. Long story short, they didn't play out well. But anyways, yeah, so I was a flight attendant. And what's really interesting about that is I learned my most 
valuable business lesson being a flight attendant. And I mean, my employees, like I've said this to them so many times that, I mean, I think I get eye rolls when I start down this questioning and I I bring it up all the time in interviews with candidates and just reminding my team and why we're doing things and such. So Zach, do you know why airplanes do not fall out of the sky? It has a pilot. It's got to be employees related, right? So um, actually, (laughs) no, it's actually not necessarily employee related. Airplanes don't fall out of the sky because pilots follow a checklist. Mm. So there is no margin for error because they are following a checklist. So whether a pilot has a thousand hours of flying or 5,000 hours of flying experience, they have to follow a checklist for every stage of the flight. And because they're following that checklist, there's no, I mean, it's sort of done for you and it's going to be done every right, every time. And that is why airplanes don't fall out of the sky. So how many checklists do you have in your business? You know, where are things not working in your business and are people following a checklist? So it's really important to, to document what you're doing, be consistent in what you're doing and checking off the steps that you're doing to get those consistent results. And I was going to ask that piece of it. In the business world, I'm on that COO, fractional COO space. So I love helping people with this, not necessarily this specifically with the checklist, but with the processes, with how do you go from prospect to fulfillment? And a lot of small business owners struggle with a replicatable process. And it's like, oh, this experience is this way. This experience is that way. And you mentioned the airline side. The experience has to be phenomenal every single time. Being here in Atlanta with Delta being a huge brand, Mm -hmm. if your experience with Delta is poor, it starts reflecting on that brand. And on the small business level, not the Delta level, it's one of those where it will literally move the needle in a very negative way if that experience isn't a good one. So when you say checklist, can you be more specific about what you mean with the checklist? Is it literally, I got my piece of paper here and I'm going down, check, 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 check? Yeah. I mean, every, every, everything, every, every process and system in your business should have repeatable steps that, that makes it happen. So, you know, in our businesses, I mean, we have checklists for everything, you know, like how to invoice a client, how to add a new sales tax rate into our ERP system. You know, how, how do we go about doing a launch? How do we go about, you know, what's the process for welcoming members? What do they go through? What do we do when we complete a program? You know, there's a checklist for that. So it's really, you know, just to have things documented again, so that it is you're consistently providing a great experience. And the other thing is about documenting it and kind of having it in a bullet form, like checklist format is, you know, you can constantly improve upon it because, you know, we were actually doing an audit today of, of a, of a three week intensive. We just wrapped up last week and, you know, I mean, we're already making it better, but we use, you know, we were going through our checklists of what we did and how we did it and deciding what we need to improve upon or what we need to change and improving upon that checklist. But, you know, our next, our next intensive will follow, you know, this new and improved checklist. But, you know, it's just so important to have things and it kind of ties back to hiring and to recruitment, which is kind of the topic that I'm, I'm here to talk about is that, you know, 
when you bring on an employee, them getting hitting the ground running and being able to be productive and have purpose in your company out of the gate is so important to that that their first experience with your company and to their retention in your organization. And you know, when you have things organized and documented and they've got a resource and they can just kind of jump in and figure it out, be shown at once. But you know, I mean, it's there, it's repeatable. They just have to follow it again. They're going to be successful out of the gate and they're going to have a great experience. And you know, what's also interesting is if here's a great hack. If you don't have as many processes and systems documented in your organization, then those new hires, you train them on how to do it. And their first assignment is documenting the processes and systems. And that's how you start building it. So, you know, you can make that hire, but just make sure when you bring on that hire and you're showing them that they're actually responsible for documenting the processes and systems. You know, this is an unsolicited, if you don't mind me saying, but I looked for a long time for the perfect way to keep our processes and systems and our checklists in a nice, like if I could design this platform, because I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for almost 25 years now. And, you know, I mean, typically you document processes and systems, you know, it was done in a Word document and then it gets loaded onto whatever. And it's not really top of mind and such, but airmanual.co is a really nice, simple platform that allows you to like drop in a video, drop in a link to a document. And it also allows you to create interactive checklists that you can use. So, you know, for some of our processes and systems, when someone's going to do something, they literally pull up the checklist and they're literally checking it off in air manual as they're going through it and doing it. And again, that ensures accuracy, consistency, predictable results when you're following a checklist. And you you hit the nail on the head of where I was going with asking about those checklists, because that's what I've seen, especially that five employees or less small business owner, right? As yeah. they're, they're still not even a business owner, they're an employee of their own business still. They haven't even perfected their process yet. So why the mindset seems to be, why document a process that isn't perfect? So when they hire somebody, they bring, even if it's something, bringing in a VA, bringing in somebody and they get frustrated because, oh, this person can't do it right. This person, and there's a delegation piece where they don't want to delegate because nobody can do it as good as I can. And that's the mindset. But also they don't know how to do it because you never explained it. And that frustration comes out, which is why I was I was asking about the checklist piece, because that is something that so many people play catch up with. Should you do it as you're launching the business or should you wait for the process to figure itself out that a profitable process, if you will? You know, I mean, I think once you're once you're doing it, you start documenting it. And then what you have to do is you've got to schedule audits of your processes. I mean, like, you know, I, I mentioned we have a checklist for invoicing a particular client and that client gets invoiced weekly. And we have been invoicing this client since January 2012. So over 10 years. And we've gone through over the years, and it was last year, and updated that process and system. And, you know, like we've made it better. We've cut our time doing it. We've made it easier for the client to review it. It, it requires a lot of backup and documentation and other evidence and such in the invoice. But, you know, once you start doing something, you start documenting it. And then that just kind of creates the opportunity to come back in, have an audit process and make it better. And, you know, what's cool about that is, is when you start with something somewhere, you know, when you bring on that employee, 
who now is taking over and inheriting that checklist, you know, challenge them after a period of time, you know, of doing it. Hey, how can we make this better? You know, when people feel ownership over something, like that's where they go all in. You know, when they feel like they own it and they can make it better and they can be contributing and they know exactly, you know, that they'll be successful, then I mean, that just is part of the secret to keeping and retaining five-star employees. And that kind of goes into that piece of the five-star employee part. Is it something that, and you, I've heard it in the past, you only want to hire those eights, nines, tens, or those five-star people. Mm-hmm. But this day and age, it seems like nobody can hire, nobody can retain. And is it something that you're hiring somebody and training them into being a five-star? Or is there a system to find that? Zach, really are we really going to believe the media? So the media is saying the media is saying that there is no one to hire, but that's not true. So you know, I mean, people are unemployed right now. Like the employment rate is still there, right? Which means there are somewhere, some someplace people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been hiring people. If anything, I've had an increase in applicants when we have open positions since COVID, and you know, maybe for a couple of, of reasons, like some of our positions have gone remote. So that's going to, you know, naturally increase the number of applicants. But, you know, when it's time to recruit and hire, the most important thing to start with is a positive mindset. You know, and I've talked to people who, you know, in organizations that I'm a member of, and they know like my expertise and such, and they'll text me and they'll be like, oh, I mean, I don't know exactly how you text that, but trust me, this is the feeling that comes across. I need to hire and I just don't want employees and I just don't have the time and whatever. And it's like, well, like that's a bad attitude and you're not going to find five-star people when that's your attitude. And I keep hearing there's nowhere to find them. I don't know where to find these people. I don't know where to find somebody that doesn't have a job or is looking for a job. And that seems to be that same kind of right off the bat. Negative. Yeah. So let me tell you, that is BS. There are plenty of great people out there. And if anything, people right now are probably more actively and passively seeking better opportunities. So, you know, when we talk about recruiting and hiring, let's be honest, most people are just posting on Indeed or posting on ZipRecruiter. They're with posting a a job one job poster with a vanilla paste from the other vanilla one. That, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. A copy and paste. Wow. You know so people's much. secrets. You oh, know yeah. people's hacks. <laughs> yeah, Saves time hack, that way. Right. Let me copy and paste it. And I'll definitely find somebody because they have to be finding them because there's also a job posting for the same thing over there, right? Oh, my goodness. Nailed it. That is the problem. That's the start of the problems. And is that that just laziness or is that just like not knowing any better? You know what? It's not being intentional is what it is. It is, you know, again, kind of the mindset of like, oh, not looking forward to this. I don't have time for this. I'm just going to like copy and paste and, you know, we'll see what happens. And so, you know, and what do you get? You get an average ho-hum or worse employee. When you put no effort into it, when you don't go all in on your recruiting, you don't get five-star employees. In fact, most businesses are only successful at hiring a five-star employee about 25% of the time. So for every four hires, only one is a five-star employee and the other three are average ho-hum or worse, one, two, or three-star employees. And the problem is, is it's really kind of 
you know, they're lucky that they get that five-star employee. But when you get intentional about deciding exactly what you need, exactly what you want, being objective in your hiring process, casting as wide of a net as possible so you get plenty of applicants and you don't have to settle, that's when you get a five-star employee. And the five-star employee rating system, which we'll talk about in the next episode or in the tactical episode, really allows you to get to that objective hire and objectively rate and sift out the one, two, three-star employees so that you're not tempted and you don't settle for less than five-star employees. Yeah, I definitely want to keep the tactics a secret for now. Let's keep the allure before we dive into that process. But I I want to know why, obviously, hearing you talk about it, this is a passion piece for you, Mm -hmm. right? You started a company. Most entrepreneurs, most business owners are passionate about what they're doing. And that's obviously coming out. Why is this such a big deal to you? Why do you care about other companies' employees? Yeah. So, well, a a couple of things. You know, right now, I really care about people's happiness. And so often, you know, someone who is a three star employee, you know, is just really in the wrong position, in the wrong job, in the wrong role, or as Jim Collins would say, in the wrong seat on the wrong bus and maybe going in the wrong direction. And that's sort of the problem of the employee and the employer. But I believe the employer has a greater responsibility to make sure that they're really understanding what they need exactly in a candidate, what they also don't want in a candidate, and using that filter and litmus test, the five-star employee rating system, to make sure that they're not making that mishire. Because here's the ironic thing. When someone applies for a job, They want the job. Even if it's not right, no one wants to be rejected. So candidates tend to, you know, overpromise, say they can do it, think they can fake it until they make it. And most employers aren't testing candidates. So, you know, someone says, Hey, I'm a bookkeeper. Okay, great. You're hired. Can you start Monday? I mean, I could get a bookkeeping position tomorrow. I could get three offers for bookkeeping positions. But you know what? I would be a two-star bookkeeper. I can say I can do the job. I know enough QuickBooks to be dangerous, but I would hate it. It is not my forte, but I could do it. How scary is that? How scary is that? That's how true is it? It is. And that's what terrifies me because I, I remember the early days. I used to do my QuickBooks. I used to do my bookkeeping. But to think about something that is so crucial to business, quickly being handed off to an untested, untrusted person that you're like, oh, absolutely. Happens 95% of the time. That's terrifying. And and any position, I mean, come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest. How many people in this audience are really vetting their candidates, spending a lot of time with them and testing them to ensure that they are going to hit the ground running. They have the qualities, the aptitudes and skills, the alignment of core values. I'm teasing the Friday episode here. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I And, you know, think about it. When you, most businesses are spending about an hour interviewing a candidate and deciding, okay, you're hired. And that one hour is going to cost them $50,000 a year salary. That's not even including payroll taxes and benefits and things like that. So you spend one hour and you're going to make a $50,000 investment in an employee you know, it's probably because they answered their weaknesses really well. They told them all about their great weaknesses, right? Because that's the best question to ask. 
they asked basic questions. They didn't get at the true heart of what they need specifically for the job. You're exactly right. They Googled the questions five minutes before the candidate came in. (laughs) And I laugh because I can't say I'm not guilty of that back in before the business owner days. And it's funny, even in business, they say, you know, you don't put your name on the company because it's not sellable or you can't brand it or so many other reasons why. Yet I put my name on all my companies because I wanted to put forth like this is who I am. Right. And it turned into as I became my own brand and my companies became that brand, much like the passion you carry forward. The employees represent that. And if somebody in my organization does something and one of them is a security firm, a physical security firm. So you think if they have a misstep, I'm not only facing a multimillion dollar lawsuit, I'm costing a client a multimillion dollar lawsuit. So on far down the chain. And it's like, that is so terrifying to think, oh yeah, tell me your greatest weaknesses and expecting to hire somebody on that level of integration in my company. That can't be the best question to be asking here, I imagine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And people know what these questions are. They can Google these questions too. And they've prepared answers because everyone's asking the same vanilla, useless questions that, you know, really don't help you differentiate a five-star candidate from a one, two or three-star nightmare mishire. (laughs) Terrible, terrible mishire. And it's funny when you start looking at it because I, I know you talk about this and I'm excited to hear the translation, because people hear about this. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. But I love one thing you just said. It's a $50,000 minimum investment in your organization for your future growth. But beyond that, that's immediately more or less a debt on the company, right? Mm -hmm. Where an employee should be an asset looking at it in that capacity. How does this tie to the profitability? Is there a profit margin of a three-star employee compared to a five-star employee? Or Uh, I imagine there's... So here's the deal. A five-star employee represents the top 15% of available talent in the market. So statistically, one out of seven candidates is a potential five-star employee. One five-star employee, and you pay a five-star employee the same amount that you pay any other person for the role because you're paying for the role. One five-star employee does the work of two or three one, two, and three-star employees. So when you have one, two, and three-star employees on your payroll, basically you have an inflated payroll. You're paying two people $50,000 a year because they're two and three-star employees when you could have one five-star employee that you pay $50,000 a year to. So this is where, and Mike Michalowicz, actually the author of Profit First, and I were business partners. I am the host of the official podcast, Profit First Nation. And so we're collaborating on his next book that'll come out in December 2023. And what we've seen is that businesses who've implemented Profit First that have 10 or more employees typically and a million dollars or more in real revenue just are stymied by why am I still struggling? Why are my op- why can't I get my operating expenses down? And the problem is that because there's only two ways to increase profitability, increase margin, decrease expenses. And so their profitability is in their two and three star employees collecting paychecks instead of producing a 3x return on on their payroll. So ideally you want employees to be producing a 3x return on what you on what you pay them and so that's where the profitability is, you know, when you have two and three star employees, you've got double the payroll than having just one 
five-star employee. And let's be honest. I mean, we've all done it, but I'm just going to call you out on this. And I'm going to kindly remind you that you cannot pay for performance improvement. You can't say, oh, if I pay them $10,000 more, I mean, that'll totally motivate them to do better work because I mean, they no one would be paying them $60,000 a year. So if I pay them $10,000 more and they're making $60,000 a year, I mean, they're going to they're going to step up their performance cuz they're going to want to, you know, keep this job. Doesn't work. Never. What works. about when it comes to the hiring portion of that? Would a five-star employee be looking for a higher starting wage? Because a five-star employee represents the top fifteen percent of available talent at the given rate. So yeah. you don't you know, have I to mean, overpay. There's off the there's guess, star employees really. who think they're worth a hundred thousand dollars. You know, <laughs> I mean, it just is. You know, you definitely can find the right people. And what's funny is we just. Took actually, we had two businesses in the same industry, a bookkeeping services that went through one of our cohorts in September. And what was interesting about them is they were very similar. I mean, bookkeeping services, hiring remote employees, and you know, but their pay structures were very different. And you know, they still attracted five star candidates, even though one was paying $17 an hour and one was paying $25 an hour. And you know, these people could be working anywhere. So it does flesh out. I do have to say that you want to be at least in the middle to the upper, you know, percentile of percentiles of the salary in your market. So, you know, going on Glassdoor, Googling it to see what the market salary is helpful. I will say you will struggle if the average salary is $17 an hour and you're offering $12 or $13 an hour. You know, you got to fix things. You you need to increase your prices so you can afford to pay people, and you need to kind of be in that sweet spot. Because at the end of the day, a five star you'd imagine is going to understand their worth as well. They're going to understand and not accept below that market, at least median market value, right? Right, right, right. So I know that there's a ton of pieces there that we've talked about. Is there, and you mentioned Profit First, is that a great resource to go learn more about this? Where would you push people to learn business owners of read up, learn more about this, the podcast? Give us more of like a good resource to have more conversation. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry if I opened up Pandora's box there mentioning that. So Profit First is a cash management system for, it's a DIY cash management system for small business owners. But, you know, businesses that are, you know, what's funny is, is we've had businesses that, you know, when they started using Profit First, were doing a few million dollars a year. Now they're doing, you know, 10, 20, 30, our company. I mean, when we started Profit First, we were doing like 14, $15 million a year. And, you know, now doing over 40, $45 million a year. And we still do profit first. So what's cool about profit first is it is, it allows the business owner to really own the financials of their business and just understand, you know, how to manage the profitability in real time. You know, when you get your operating, um, or your income statements and your your reporting at the end of the month. I mean, that's like looking at a rearview mirror. There's nothing you can change or do. And so Profit First allows you in real time to really make those important decisions that impact your profitability because there's only two ways to increase profitability, increasing margin. So raising prices, make sure, making sure that you've got that margin there and decreasing expenses. And, you know, those are decisions that you have to make in real time. And those are decisions only an owner can make. Your bookkeeper can't say, oh, we need to raise prices. Our profitability is only 2%. 
And they can't say, oh, we need to cut out, you know, these subscriptions that no one's using. They're not going to make those decisions. They're not going to make those recommendations. Only the owner can do that. And so Profit First allows you to really see your business from a cash perspective and makes it real simple. That was definitely the Pandora's box you opened on that one. No, I and I know we want to focus more on this recruitment piece and focusing on that arena. When it comes to that conversation, is there something... A resource in that. I know you have a couple things attached to it for the listeners with different resources you have online. Can you talk a little bit about what those resources may look like if somebody wants to yeah. go into them? So, so, you know, as we've teased a little bit and we'll get into a deep dive during the tactical episode, but, you know, having a, a process and system checklist for, for recruiting and hiring um, and using objectivity when you hire is super important. So we have the five-star employee rating system, which, oh my gosh, has five criteria that makes up the five-star system. And you can get that resource on how to, uh, how to use the five-star employee rating system by texting never settle. So never settle as one word to 411321. So text as one word Never settle to 411321 and you can get the how to hire five-star employees using the five-star employee rating system guide. Love it. I definitely think that guide is worth the text at the very, very least. And the final thing I always ask everybody, and I'm curious because you are so passionate about it, what's the legacy you're wanting to leave on the world by bringing the all-in company and helping people understand what a five-star employee looks like? You know, well, a couple of things comes like personally, you know, with my dad and his business and he invited, he's been in business for over 45 years and, you know, he's kind of at that stage of at what point does he exit the business and such. And I'm not involved in his business business at all, but he did invite me to sit in on some interviews with his CPA firm for a new controller for his company. And what was interesting was the best candidate, my dad eliminated when the guy walked in because he was wearing a suit. And the candidate that my dad liked was the recent UCLA collegiate athlete candidate who didn't even have a degree in accounting or finance, had no experience. And my dad wanted to hire him because he liked the fact that the guy was wearing a polo and jeans like my dad wears. And he was a collegiate athlete like my dad. So, you know, he thought like, we're alike. So I'm going to hire you. But I mean, that would have been a tragic mishire because he didn't have the skills. He didn't have the aptitude. He didn't have the experience to do the job. And the poor guy who walked in a suit. And I have to say, when I saw this guy walking in a suit, I was like, oh, this is a waste of time because I knew right off the bat that my dad was going to didn't matter, didn't matter his experience. So it's really important to not be subjective in your hiring and not try to like the candidate and not, you know, you've got to be objective. And so, so we'll get into that. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I'm definitely looking forward to that Tactical Friday piece. Before we hop off of this portion of it, would you go ahead and let everybody know how can they find you, reach out to you, your social media website? Let us know how we can see more of your content. Oh, great. Thanks. Well, again, you actually get that how to hire five-star employee guide by going to or sending a text never settle to 411321. There's a link there and you know, you can schedule a 20-minute call with me and I'll answer questions and kind of help you navigate through your biggest problems and struggles 
where you are in terms of recruiting and hiring or even retaining your five-star employees. So I would say that would be the best and most direct way to me. But if you want to stay, you know, kind of outside looking in, you can find me at Danielle Mulvey on Instagram and Danielle Mulvey on LinkedIn. And our website is fivestaremployees.com. Love it, Danielle. Thank you so much for that insight and, and sharing that passion that you have with us. And I look forward to breaking it down even further on Tactical Friday. Awesome. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Tactical Leader Podcast. If this episode helped you along your journey of self-mastery and has inspired you to do more, I challenge you to head over to myvoicechallenge.com so you can find out how you can discover your voice, claim your independence, and build that thriving business that you've always wanted. Again, that's myvoicechallenge.com.